The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. I'm excited about tonight's show because we get to have what I think is an important conversation about friends. All of us have them. Some of us need them. Some of us have people in our lives who perpetrate as friends, but they're not actually friends. They're enemies waiting to happen. <laughs> and how do you choose a friend? And how do you? How much do you give? How, how much of yourself do you sacrifice? For the beauty and the benefit of your friend. Well, my guest tonight, LT, is here. My dear sister, there she is. Look at her, wonderful. We're going to talk about her journey with her friends. What she sacrificed, what she's lost. And I suspect some of the pain that she's had to deal with and address in her journey of trying to find compatibility, right? Because it's easy to find people. It's harder to find the right people. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean tonight. I'm excited about that. And we always start with headlines, and there's a lot going on in the world. So you know what I always say, play the bumper, highly. <laughs> so, four people were killed in a shooting Wednesday evening in a medical building on a hospital campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The gunman is also found dead of an apparent, was also found dead of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound, according to the police and the Tulsa Police Department. Um, says, and they told CNN that multiple people were wounded. Here again, we have resorted to the ignominy and the ignoble behavior of killing each other. I just don't understand a nation that is so committed to the idea of guns that we will sacrifice ourselves in order to have them. Because you do know that the people being shot with all these 400 million guns in this country aren't some, it's, it's not somebody else's country. It's not like we're shooting the Canadians. <laughs> no, we're shooting ourselves. Anyway, speaking of guns, Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, President uh, Joe Biden offered in a recent visit to have the school destroyed and torn down so that a new school might be built there to take its place. Democratic Senator Roland Gutierrez said that Biden promised that he would bring resources to build a new school. And the state senator found out, as I found out, something that I did not know. Did you know that there is a federal grant in place to help schools rebuild after mass shootings? Did you know that? There's a federal program in place. That, here it is. We sh there are so many school shootings that they've set aside money to rebuild schools after there after, after happens to be a mass shooting at a school. I didn't know that. That, that, that. That's how many shootings we have at school that the federal government put in the budget money to rebuild schools. 
And, and, and listen, let me just say this with no uncertain term, in no uncertain terms, rather, and with no equivocation in my voice. That school should absolutely be torn down. Shout out to Joe Biden, because those students should not have to go back into that school and relive that trauma, the, the, the slaughter, the murder of their, of their friends and their classmates and their teachers. Those little blessed children should not have to be traumatized every time they walk back in that school. If the federal government don't do nothing else, you see my finger? <laughs> it's how you know I'm getting serious. If the federal government don't do nothing else, they better tear that school down and build another one. Because those babies have been through enough. I mean, that's just one, that's just one too many burdens for them to have to bear. They deserve a new school. In fact, they deserve a better country. Can we just say that? They deserve better leaders. They deserve to be safe. They deserve not to have to go to school without worrying about if they're going to get shot up in the classroom. America is a great country in many ways. And in many ways, America is still struggling to manifest its greatness. This is the only country in the world. This is the only country in the world. I'm going to say it a third time. This is the only country in the world where you can have first-class prisons, second-class schools, and third-world water. Let's move on. Oh, I, I never, I never, LT, listen to this. I never not take an opportunity to talk about Republican shenanigans, okay? Republican shenanigans. Now, the Democrats have shenanigans, too. And I talk about their shenanigans when they have them, too, okay? But this time, we're going to talk about Republican shenanigans because they got some shenanigans going on in Michigan. Did you hear about this? Five candidates for governor on the Republican side of the ticket have been removed and disqualified from the ballot because they because of alleged forgery. Five. <laughs> it's being alleged that five candidates for governor of Michigan made up signatures on their filing ballots. And if you don't know how this works, let me tell you how it works. In order for you to run the office, you have to file petitions, right? And when you file petitions, you um I don't know why y'all showing them right now, but when you, file, when you file petitions, there we go. When you file petitions, you have to have signatures, all right? And all of your signatures have to be real people. Apparently, now pray them, John, these five people right here that John's about to show you again, these five people right here, yes, all of them allegedly forged their signatures. Every last one of them. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five Republican candidates for governor of the state of Michigan. Five of them. Look, I can understand if it was one, right? You go, okay, one bad. Five people running for the governor of Michigan on the Republican side did this. And one of them, show those photos again, John. One of them is the former chief of police of Detroit. The former chief of police of Detroit is involved allegedly, emphasis on allegedly, on Republican shenanigans. How you gonna be the former chief law, law enforcement official in, in the city of Detroit and you allegedly, what in the world is going on, man? I don't understand this. I, I, what, what is going on in the state of Michigan? What is going on with the Republican Party in the state of Michigan? What is going on with the Republican Party? What in the world? Five of your candidates were disqualified because they were cheating, allegedly cheating? Listen, man, 
When you have to cheat and lie and steal and be duplicitous and be dirty and underhanded to get in, then that tells me what you're going to do if you actually get into the seat you're running for. The Bible puts it this way. The scriptures say, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. And, and what it means is you can tell the end from the beginning. If you started out lying and cheating and doing crazy things, then before it's all over, that's exactly what's going to show up in the middle. And that's exactly what's going to manifest in the end. Here's my wisdom for you, because I give people advice on this show. Watch how you start whatever you're doing. If you two got hooked up together because he was cheating on somebody else or she was lying to somebody else, lying and cheating is going to show up in what you're all trying to do. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. So if you started out allegedly stealing and cheating, getting signatures, what kind of governor do you think you're going to be? You ain't going to be honest and, and righteous and noble and care about people because you were willing to cheat to get there, allegedly. I'm just trying to tell you, man, watch how you start something. You shouldn't want a job you had to lie and cheat to get because you're not going to keep the job. Because before it's all over, what you did to get it is going to come out. It's going to reveal itself in what you're trying to do to stay in the position that you lied to get. So go in the right way. You hear me? Go in a marriage the right way. Go in relationships the right way. Go into a job the right way. And even if it doesn't work out, you will at least be able to say, I didn't reap what I sowed because I sowed something good and I got something else. But at least I didn't destroy myself. All right, let's do a couple more before I bring out my sister LT. This story is real. Now, this story is this, this is interesting. When I heard this, I could not believe it. So apparently tourists in Venice, Italy uh, were recorded. Listen to this swimming nude and vandalizing churches throughout the city. And of course, two of the two, two of the tourists, rather, that were caught doing this were Americans, <laughs> because you know nobody nobody's more prone to crazy and dysfunction and decadence and disrespect than Americans. Yes, and, and so these two Americans, along with other people, were caught on camera. Listen to this: skinny dipping in places not made for skinny dipping. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Butt naked. In Venice, you go all the way to Venice, Italy, not Ven not Venice, California, Venice, Italy. You go all the way to Venice to take off your clothes and be butt naked, swimming around. What? And then vandalizing churches. Vandalizing churches. People are traveling. This has become a trend. People are traveling out of the country, and instead of respecting the countries that they visit, they are disrespecting and dishonoring communities and cultures like they have no home training. You follow what I'm saying? See, I think this is directly connected to what, what we went through in the pandemic when people were cooped up and, you know, and losing their minds. But I also think this is, this is about people not having some home training. Because didn't your mama, didn't your mama teach you to say please and thank you? And didn't your mama teach you that you shouldn't disrespect churches? And didn't your mama teach you not to be butt naked in places you shouldn't be butt naked. We call that home training. Y'all talk back to me because you know I'm right. You see, in my house, we had home training. You follow what I'm saying? You couldn't say whatever you want to say in my mama's house or do whatever you want to do in my mother's house. Let me tell you something. There was consequences and repercussions for being crazy in my mama's house. 
My mama, you had to say please and thank you. You had to say good morning. My, mo my mother was so serious, you couldn't say what? When my mama called you, you better say yes. It's called home training. You know why I do this show? Because I have good sense. You know why I have good sense? I didn't get it from Harvard. I didn't get it from the University of Chicago. I got good sense at home. Because I got some home training. My mother didn't play that. What's wrong with people? You you gonna go to other people's countries and be and be you gonna be butt naked <laughs> in 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 the in they river De desecrating churches. Who raised you? <laughs> what is wrong with people, man? You see, here's the thing we all need to understand. I got one more, then I'm gonna be done. You don't live in the world by yourself. Other people live here, and because other people live here. You have to respect the rights and the space and the cultures and the race and the gender and the thoughts and the experiences and the pains of other people. If you were the only person that lived here, you could do whatever you want. But you're not the only person. You got neighbors, you got friends, you got siblings. Other people are here. And the only way for us to get along is for us to respect each other's boundaries. How many shows do I do on boundaries? Half my shows are on boundaries because people have this notion either that they're the only person that exists or that they don't exist at all. Beloved, hear me when I tell you this. Other people live here, okay? So respect other people like your mama taught you. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let's talk about Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. So Nancy, Nancy Pelosi is married to that man right there. Paul Pelosi, and as you know, Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. And allegedly, Paul Pelosi, the man you see right there, was arrested for driving a little drunk. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, was arrested Saturday, late Saturday night, booked early Sunday morning for driving while intoxicated. Allegedly. Now, he crashed his 2001 Porsche and all of that. Um, but the story gets even better, which is, why, which is why I'm doing the story. You ready for this? So here he is, arrested Saturday night, and he is bailed out for $5,000 on Sunday morning. And here's the part. Here's the kicker. You ready? Are you sitting down? LT, are you sitting down? Listen to this. This man is 82 years old. You see my face? We're not talking about no 20-year-old. You know what I'm saying? He's 82 years old. Yes. First of all, he looks good for 82. Can we just all agree on that? I mean, come on. LT, did he look good, good for 82? The man does look good for 82. Don't act like he doesn't. All right? If that's what 82 looks like, I'm going to look like that. But let's get back to the story. Mr. 82-year-old allegedly, because we don't want to get sued, was pulled over for driving drunk. I thought by the time you get to be 82, that's how it's your system, right? I'm hoping by the time I get to be 82 that doing dumb stuff is out of my system, mostly. <laughs> I guess it'll never be completely out of my system, but I'm, uh, I don't want to be 82 allegedly driving drunk. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be 82 at the strip club. You with me? Who's with me? Just raise your hand and just say, say amen or something. I don't want to be 82 fighting at the, at, the, at, the, at the family reunion. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be 82 cussing people out. 
in the mall. You know, I mean, certain, there's certain things at 82 you ought not want to be. Right, let me wrap this up. I, I just, I, you know, the good news is Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi are Roman Catholics, and the Catholic Church believes in confession, and they believe in forgiveness. I believe in that too. Not so much confession, but definitely forgiveness. And the good news is Paul Pelosi can be forgiven for whatever he's done. Not by me, but by the one that made him. And so can you. I don't care what mistakes you've made, how much you've dropped the ball, how many times you failed. I promise you, you can be forgiven. There's a tomorrow waiting for you. And you can have it if you keep going. And if you believe that nobody has the right to hold anything you did over your head for the rest of your life, don't let people hold you hostage. You're forgiven. And with forgiveness comes freedom. And with freedom comes the life that you want. So, when it's all said and done, get back up. Come back from the darkness and don't let anybody tell you that you can't. When I come back, I'm going to talk to my guest, LT, who has a struggle with friendships. Friends are not friendly when it comes to my system. We're going to change some of that. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So I've often said on this show that relationships are the hardest thing you'll ever do. Loving somebody and caring about somebody else is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. My guest tonight knows that journey from the inside. Welcome to the show tonight, my dear sister, LT. Hey, LT. How are you? It's always such a pleasure to be on this show because you just tell it like a T.I. is. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate that so much. Thank, thank you for being here. I cannot thank you enough um, because you give us an opportunity to really have an important conversation. I want to jump right into it, okay? Uh, and I, I want to ask you for an example. Tell me, what's the thing that keeps happening over and over again in your friendships and relationships? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I believe that everyone has an opinion and choice and I extend reciprocity to those that I love and have cultivated decades of relationships with. If they have a different opinion of mine, that's okay. If their lifestyle is different, if they're social, economic, political, whatever, that's fine. I love you and that's all that matters. But somehow I'm not extended that same reciprocity. Mm. I have one amazing friend that I've been friends with for over 30 years who did not like my voting habits and literally cussed me out because I didn't agree or align with theirs. Mm. And there's a struggle because I've been thinking the way I have for such a long time, for decades, that in order for this person not to know what I believe in and who I am is very painful. Mm. very painful. And it strained our relationship so much that um, it's, it was, you know, we've taken a break for two years. Couldn't even talk for a while. Wow. 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 I, I want to come back to that in a second. Cause I think there's something there. Um, but, 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 but I also want to isolate the pattern. So, so what would you say is the pattern? So if I heard you correctly, the pattern is um, disagreement. The pattern is the lack of reciprocity, but, he, but here's what I'm asking you. What are you doing and what are they doing over and over again that allows you to end up in the same place? I tend to sweep it under the rug. I'm, I'm a fiery person. You know, you're so Latina. I know that I can explode. I know that people are going to see me as boisterous and passionate. So I try to sometimes um, sweep things under the rug, not give my full opinion and just say, oh, it's no problem. It's just so and so not dealing with the situation. 
Mm. And I think mm. that's where I'm at right now. Mm. And because I love people and I love the people in my life, whether colleagues or investors or candidates for my company, whomever, to be put in a box and say, you have to think like I think, in my opinion, and from my God, it's just wrong. Okay, so let, let, let's do this. Let's do this. Because you mentioned your friend, all right? We, we, won't, we won't mention any names, right? Don't, so don't mention their name. But do me a favor. Do me a favor. Just, 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 just humor me with this. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. And and let's 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 imagine that 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 your friend is here, who you fell out with for those two years. Um, what would you say to them tonight? And I'm 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 going to speak in their voice. Go ahead. I would say, unfortunately, I feel as if you don't truly know and love me, because you are unable to accept who I am at my purest and at my best. Mm -hmm. and, if, and, if, and, if, and if they said back to you um, that it's not about accepting or not accepting you at your purest or your best, it's about the fact that I disagree with you and that the disagreement makes going forward fundamentally difficult. What would you say to that? I would say I believe that that is, in my opinion, childish to throw away decades of, 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 of loving each other because of your opinion, which you have a right to have. But what about my opinion? Mm. And so that's and, where the reciprocity is. I'm having a problem with. And so and so if, if, if they said back to you, ask you this question, how much tell me how much us not being in relationship has hurt you? What what what, what has the absence done to you? It has put a void in my soul. Big void in my soul and my heart. So you, you can open your eyes. You, having lost this relationship, feel a profound absence. And this is all based upon at least two things a disagreement on politics, but also something you said before that, and that is there were probably moments along the way when you probably should have said certain things, corrected certain things, established certain things that you didn't do it because you wanted to sort of sweep things under the rug and not be a stereo, not be a, a, a typical Afro-Latina woman, right? Did, did I get that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, 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 which makes me want to ask you this question. Let, let's talk about how you grew up a little bit, because there's, sure. there's always a journey with what with what we become and what we do and what we won't do. And so I want to I want to honor what you're giving me tonight by asking about that. So here's, here's my first question about that. Um, this is a, it's a little different. How did you feel most of the time growing up as a kid? How did I feel most of the time growing up as a kid? I felt loved, different, mm -hmm. alone, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I was just different. I was painfully thin, boisterous. I come from an entertainment background. I've had a lot of friends, but you know, there's insecurities with being so tiny that people want to pick on you. So I had to be a fighter mm -hmm. and I am a fighter, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm different. Mm -hmm. And I know that. Did you feel like you belonged most of the time when you were a kid? 
You know what? That's a good question. I don't know if I felt belong because I always made my way. Hmm. You know? Okay. You know if, what? You know. You know. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Can, can is? Do I have your permission to push you a little bit? Push away, brother. Okay. All right. So, so your response to that tells me the answer to that is no. You did not feel like you belonged because. And I, I've I, never, huh? I've never thought about it whether I felt belong. I had a crew of friends, so I had great relationships. I, I felt loved. I, I believe in. Instead of the, this whole social media thing, I don't need a whole bunch of likes when I know I'm loved. So mm -hmm. I nurtured what I was, you know, those relationships that were loving, yeah, right? Yeah, that, and yes, perfect. LT, that was perfect what you just said. Because here's the wisdom in that. You can absolutely nurture, value, and honor the relationships that you have and still feel the absence, the pain, and the heartbreak, and the disappointment of the relationships that you deserved because it doesn't yep. disrespect what you have or had to say that I deserved to, to have been more celebrated, more accepted and more valued. That's what I mean. And you see, the thing about that is when I ask or demand that I'm treated as if I'm the bad person mm -hmm. because I set boundaries mm -hmm. for those that I love and around. I accept, I set a set of of excellence. And when I ask for those to adhere to them, they, they cower and, oh, I'm the, you're this and that. So I just, that's where the, what I think is extending grace, but I'm actually sweeping it under the rug and not dealing with things head on as I really should, because I don't want people to feel as if I'm being brutish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm Afro-Latina, I'm, I'm, I'm Sagittarian, I'm just, you know, I'm fire upon fire upon fire. But I also love people and I'm very sensitive and I'm also very mindful of people's, you know, sentimental, you know, nature that I don't want to come off too harsh. But at the same time, people are just throwing daggers at me. Okay, so that, that, that makes me want to go in a very particular direction. You're giving me great. Uh, content to be able to really adjudicate here because okay be gentle be, be gentle no 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 i'm always always gentle always loving um but but so so here's my question before we take this break who taught you how to choose people then who taught me how to what i'm how sorry to choose people choose how to choose people i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know i chose the based on commonality Mm -hmm. based on love, spirit, mm -hmm. laughter, mm -hmm. and kindness. Mm -hmm. I chose them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say this in all loving, that therein lies the problem. What I do. No, 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 no. You didn't do anything wrong. But, 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 but if, if it is the case that you're giving people honesty, respect, reciprocity, generosity, and grace, right? Mm -hmm. And people are not giving that back to you then the problem isn't in what you are showing up as. The problem is in who you're choosing, which is, okay. why, which is why I'm asking you, had, did anybody ever teach you, give you real instruction on how to choose people to bring into your life? No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. We I was taught to be accepting and loving to all, mm -hmm. to be kind to all. Mm-hmm to uh, lead others to do what's right and not be shy and that kind of stuff. And maybe I just let a, a door open for 
any and everybody, and it's gone on through my life. I'm 55 now, and I can see that I connect with people very easily. People are drawn and connected to me. Maybe that lion is the problem. I say, I got to take this break, but I say this to my sons all the time. You ready for this? Like, if, 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 if you got my sons on the phone and I started this sentence, they could finish it for me. I said, and when, when they were going away to college, I drilled it into their head. Here's what I said to them. Not every connection deserves to be a relationship. Just because you're cool doesn't mean you get to get all the way in. And I, I think in your case, it's not either or. You should, we should be loving. We should be open. We should be receptive. We should be all of that. We absolutely should be all of that. But we also have to be adjudicating. We also have to learn how to, how to, how to, where to put people, where to move people, and what to expect from people. And all of us need to learn that lesson. Not just LT, all of us. When we come back, we're going to have a more robust, robust conversation about that. Because here is when the good part starts. Because we're about to figure out who should be where, who needs to go, and how far we should let them move. Right after this, we'll be right back back everybody my guest tonight lt is working her way through relationships and friendships and all of that um it's it, it's never easy lt so so listen when we when we took our break i i i, I saw on your face um that you kind of had a little aha moment okay um talk about that if everyone and everything has an expiration date so I understand and I what you were saying and it did give me a gut punch. I believe that, you know, a lot of people, they start at zero and you have to work your way up to 100. I've always been, I'll give you 100 and then you're going to show me who you are based on what has been given. And I'm rethinking that now. Mm. And uh, you gave me something to chew on. So let's dive in a little deeper. Yeah, so let, let's do that. Let's do that. So, so what do you know about discernment? Uh, I have a very strong good i literally discernment is very powerful for me and that's where i say hey listen i'm going to be open and i will discern who you really and truly are all the way through mm -hmm. i think the issue with my friends and maybe colleagues that i've known for a long time is that we've we've evolved into someone else into our true natures into other thought processes that literally have taken us to a different level but when it comes to discernment um, very discerning on a lot of relationships. That's why I think this cuts so much because these are people that I've had deep relationships, not on surface relationships. Mm -hmm. See, the irony is discernment is not a protection against transformation and change because you can discern someone's viability or trustworthiness and all of that at the beginning, right? And then as you just suggested, people go through these transformations and then you have to reassess what it is you originally thought. See, what, what, I, what I want to encourage you to do is to keep the discernment in the, in the beginning, on the front end, but also apply certain standards and tests for how you are going to be connected to people somewhere in the middle. Because I know someone who wants, and I'm not talking about you, but this is a real friend in my life who once he makes up his mind about someone in the beginning, you can never change his mind. Now that works if the person remains good and true and all of that. It don't work if they turn into a snake, a reptile, 
know what I'm saying? And a lizard. Mm-hmm. You, you see, you see? So, so, yep. so, so what I'm saying is that we use discernment to let people in. But then we also have somewhere in the middle of this thing, the ability to allow people to show us who they are again. Okay. What do you think about that? I like that. I like that. It's basically a progress report in certain phases in relationships. I like that. Yeah, because because just because someone was good for you two years ago doesn't mean that they're good for, for you two years from now. You about to make me shout shout up in here. You about to make me go off up in here. I love it. It's true, right? I mean, look, I, I've had. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna tell my story. I had a friend that I I was friends with for over 20 years. Over 20 years, we were friends. Good friends. I'm not talking about that little that little good friends. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we fell out. And it, it, I, in the beginning, I was like, I can I never thought. I would ever not be friends with this person. Yeah. I never thought, I, I could not imagine myself not being friends with this person. And you know what I had to tell myself? What I thought was a lifelong relationship was a relationship for that stage of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So what I want you to do <laughs> going forward, and I want you to do at least three things. First thing is this. I want you not to determine the quality of something in the early stages. I want you to, to, to move that value creation to somewhere in the middle or somewhere in the end. I, okay. want, I want you to keep your heart open and keep your, I think, I think it's great that you have an open heart. I think it's great that you let people in. I think that's wonderful, right? But I also want you to really work hard on understanding that just because that that's how you are doesn't mean that that's how they show up. Woo! Yes. But here's the last Our one. Lesson. Here's the last one. Here's the hardest one. You ready? Give it to me. Okay, but say, are you sitting down? Because this this one this was gonna be a little slow. okay. I want I yeah I know I want you to really think about the fact that you bring a need to relationships that a lot of people may not bring. Yeah. My sense of you tonight is that you, you've had to operate in two worlds. You've had to operate in always trying to show up as you are and, and then have to explain who you are to people who didn't get it. You, <sighs> you, you, you told me tonight that you've had to not just go your own way but go your own way and celebrate yourself on the journey. You've told me tonight that you've had to maximize the relationships and the friendships that you had, right? Right. In spite of the fact that there were more people in your life who probably should have celebrated you more, should have honored you more, but for whatever reason, they couldn't do it. Here's my point. You bring to friendships a need that most people will never understand because they have not ever had to stand in your journey or needed what you needed when you were 11, 9, and 12 years old. That's why I asked you about discernment, because you now can only choose people who can understand your journey. You're choosing- I am not going to cry on this show right now. You're going to make me mess up my lashes, and I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I'm not going to give you satisfaction. Tell me what you're feeling, though. Tell me what you're feeling, seriously. I feel 
in a sense, relief because I give advice for a career all the time. So to be able to have someone pour into me, mm. reciprocity, mm. feels good. Mm. I appreciate the candor, the cutting, because, you know, iron sharpens iron. Mm. And I, I want to take those tools and make them applicable mm. moving forward. Now, I need to. Now, 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 if we were in a session, I would say to you, you, you gave me everything but a feeling. Really? Yeah, because I, I asked you how, how did hearing that make you feel? And you went right up into your head and left your heart. Go back down into your heart and hear me say to you that now you have to choose people who are compatible for your story, who will understand why you value relationships as much as you do, why you need them as much as you do, and not just people who will throw people away because they don't understand the journey you've had. I feel relieved. I feel justified in how I, f I was feeling in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I also feel that there's work I need to do. And I'm, I'm glad about that. I was looking mm -hmm. for a solution and I feel that I received that solution. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can totally relate to you because I, listen, I'm, 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 I'm the adopted son. I'm the abandoned child. So relationships for me are a big deal. When I connect with someone, it's a big deal. But, yeah. but, but another person who grew up with their family and their father and their mother, their grandfather, grandfather, great-grandmother, nieces, nephews, cousins, aunts, uncles, they don't bring the same need to relationships because they've always had relationships their whole lives. I didn't right. have that. So for me, right. a relationship is a big deal. What I've learned is choose people who may not have the same story as I do, but who value relationships as much as I do for whatever reason. And that's what I'm saying to you. They may, they, they may not be Afro-Latina women, Afro-Latina men, but they understand because of their own lives that relationships are not something you just throw away because your politics yeah. are different, because you don't like the same song I like, because you right. voted for Trump and I voted for Biden. You don't throw relationships away because of superficial things like that. Yes, I appreciate that. And that is that is the gospel, in my opinion. Well, listen, I'm I'm so glad you came tonight. And uh, I, I, I actually think you got something out of this. I, I could tell on your face that, that, that you, you got something out of this. And uh, and absolutely. I, yeah. And, and my last word is I, I, I think you're going to choose people better going forward. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. There's some changes going on in my life in which I believe I'm going to be extended and stretched a little higher. I needed this right at this time because I've been a little afraid to let things go. And I, I now feel more encouraged to Good. do the work to be where I need to go. Good. Thank you, LT. And thank all of you for being a part of this. When we come back, we're going to I'm going to do a follow up on this and I'm going to do some Ask Dr. Sean because this is actually very important. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So very interesting conversation, don't you think? Because I think I think how many times I say the word thing? We have to stop putting people where they don't belong and stop choosing people that may not be ultimately compatible. Just because you like the same song and I like the same food and we, we, we vote the same, that doesn't make us compatible. Do you understand my journey? Can you understand my story? Do you have empathy for what I bring to the table and the things that I need? That's true compatibility. 
compatibility in journey and in principle and in values. We have a superficial understanding of what it means to be what we say in the, in the, in the church, equally yoked. One of my least favorite phrases for reasons we won't discuss right now. No, you, you want to have someone who can have feeling for why you have feelings for what you're having feelings for. Because they understand. And choosing someone who's completely foreign to your journey is not a reason not to choose them, but it means it's going to require more empathy, patience from you. Because they can't plug in the way that you can plug in to the things that you need because they've not gone where you've gone. I wish her well, and I wish all of us well, as we try to select people to bring into our lives. Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper, highly. Shell, always great videos you guys send in, and I'm always appreciative of them. Let's watch one right now. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Miss J. I need some advice. Do you feel that a man should put his mother or his wife his first priority? <laughs> I've gotten questions like this before. Um, it, it, listen, it, it's, I could give a glib answer to this question, um, but I'm going to give a complicated answer to this question because it really depends on the condition of the mother and the and the and if if it see I don't know enough to answer the question okay if his mom is sick and she's she's dying of cancer that's that's a season where he needs to put his mother first you know what I'm saying of course the scriptures say that a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and I do believe that it, that most times you know a man should you know make put his wife first that's the woman who he is making babies with and all of that but it, I don't know what the life's situation or life cycle of the mom is in because if she is vulnerable and weak or ill and he is feeling a need in that moment to value his mom there's nothing wrong with that he has a moral responsibility to do that because the scripture also says honor your mother and father that your days may be long upon the earth so now we got two scriptures what are we gonna do a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife honor your mother and father that your days may be long upon the earth we got two scriptures that's why I said to you, it really depends on what the particular situation is. But let me challenge you in love. How about we not make this a competition? How about we not make it the fact that a man ever has to choose between his wife and his mother? How about we all grow up to say that in moments where people don't choose us or make us first, doesn't mean that they don't love us sufficiently and that they don't care about us ably. You do understand that Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King only spent about three or four days together a month at the height of his work. For most of the month, he was gone on the road trying to redeem a soul of a nation. Martin Luther King loved the movement, you could say, more than he loved his wife. And Coretta Scott King didn't leave him. Coretta Scott King didn't think he was awful because he loved something more, more or additionally to the things he loved about her. In fact, she saw it as something sexy beautiful the fact that he could love something so passionately and i've heard her say this made him more attractive to her the fact that he could love ideas and principles the way that he did made her want to commit to him because sometimes it's not enough to love each other sometimes you have to love something greater than yourselves in common to stay together and to hold on to what you have so yeah Try not to make this a competition between, you know, you and his mom. 
try to make it where you honor the fact that he has the ability to love his mother and keep a wife. Because you can do both, beloved. You can care about your mom and you can love and honor your wife. And you don't have to pit one against the other. That's very, that's very Western thinking. It's very European thinking. I invite you to come back to your roots as an African in the world, an African in the Western world, where African men and women have had to do the very subtle dance of honoring what has come before us while we cherish what we have. Yeah, change your worldview. It's not a competition, okay? Because in order for you to love the man that you have, he had to come from her. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Right, more Ask Dr. Sean right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So someone DM'd me this question. Before I was married, my wife was an exotic dancer. First, let me stop for a second. Whenever a question begins like that, you know it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Let's go back to the question. Before I was married, my wife was an exotic dancer. But when we decided to commit to each other, she gave up dancing. I lost my job six months ago, and we, haven't, we have been rather struggling financially. I recently found out that she secretly went back to dancing to help us pay our bills. I understand her effort, and I am upset that she didn't tell me the truth and try to get a regular nine-to-five job to help us. Am I wrong for feeling this way? Before we get to whether or not you're wrong, how about we acknowledge the position you put her in? Okay, because this is not a decision that she made of her own choosing or of her own creation. Before we get into whether or not she should have told you and whether or not she should still be dancing, let's acknowledge the position that she was put in. You know what I'm saying? So this, this, this decision comes out of a story because I'm, I'm big on the notion that every sin has a story. And I'm not saying that what she's doing is sinning, by the way. I'm just using the, the phrase as a metaphor. There's a story behind this. You lost your job. Bills were getting past due. The financial crunch was happening. Very difficult, very hard situation. And in that climate and in that context, she made a decision. She didn't just make it, you know, just sitting around. She made it because the crunch was on. And if I read the question correctly, you were having a hard time finding a job. And she jumped out and did what she knew how to do. She jumped out and did what she was doing before she met you. So it's kind of hypocritical for you <laughs> to have a problem with her doing it now that you actually need help when you did have a problem when she was doing it when you met her. You see, people revert back to what they know when they get in trouble. People revert back to what they have always done, their old patterns and their old ways of feeling good or providing for themselves when the rubber meets the road or when their back's up against the wall. And I'm just saying to you, sir, you didn't judge her when you met her. And you knew what she was doing when you met her. And you knew what, you know, what that was about when you met her. So try to avoid the tendency and the self-righteous urge to judge her now. I'm not saying that she should not have told you. I'm not saying that there should not have been a conversation. I'm saying you can still have a conversation if you set aside your self-righteousness. If you set aside your need to be condemnatory. It's not about right or wrong. It's about now you guys need to come up with some new understandings and new agreements for how this relationship can work under these new conditions. 
Because it's one thing when you meet a person and you got money, right? Money in your pocket. You can tell somebody, step away from that light because I got money in my pocket. You never have to do that again. But now you don't. Which is where I began the answer to this question. Take, take accountability and take ownership, maybe not of your own choosing, your own doing, of the situation you put her in. Because now you're no longer, you're not, you know, you're not Daddy Warbucks anymore. Times is rough. Times are rough, rather. And now you guys have to have a different consideration for how you deal with the times that you're in. So forget right and wrong. Talk to your wife about understanding that you're in this together. And that whatever decisions that you make, you make them together. And that well, if you go up, you go up together. You go down, you go down together. If you eat, you eat together. If you starve, you starve together. And then let me invite you to do this. Instead of condemning her for being a stripper and trying to help pay the bills, be glad you got a woman who's willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that her family, her house, and her man are not going to be homeless and living on the street. She may not be doing what you like or what you approve of, but you got someone who's a ride or die, who will go to the mat for you. You might want to focus on that. All right, let's do one more. Am I doing a, what am I doing, the video? Am I doing the, am I doing the email? All right, all right. Somebody emailed me this message. My husband had a baby outside our, uh-oh, outside our marriage. I only remain in the marriage because I don't want to be a single mother. The child's mother was recently served an eviction notice, and my husband had the nerve to ask me if the woman and his child could move into our home until they get back on their feet. Would I be wrong of me? Would it be wrong of me, rather, to say no? Woo! Boy, these are some questions today. You know, I mean, you go off and have a baby with somebody else, you cheat, and now the person you cheating, cheated on me with has got served an eviction notice, and then you have nerve to come to me to ask me if the, if, if, the, if the other person and the baby can move in my house? What? <laughs> People have a lot of gall these days. All right. Let me answer this question quickly. I, I always think that children are usually, you know, thrown under the bus because of the craziness of adults. Right. I think it's altogether fitting that the child should not have to suffer for what the grown folks did wrong. It's fine. It's hard. It's, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But the child should not have to be homeless. Okay, and, and, and if the mother's willing to part with the child until she can find some more secure lodging, then I would challenge you. I would offer to you the possibility of you allowing the child not to be homeless, because, again, the child has done nothing wrong. The child has done nothing wrong. The child has done nothing wrong except show up amid the craziness of adults. But that mama. Oh, no. Mama could not. No, 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 no. That's disrespectful. And the fact that he asked you that after he cheated on you and had a baby with somebody else, you should be the one looking for somewhere else to go. You should be the one moving on. I, don't let people disrespect you to your face and you don't have anything to say about it. You going to cheat on me, have a baby and want to move the baby and the mama in my house? Y'all can have this house. <laughs> I'm going to be the one moving out. No, 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 no. Listen, don't get me started. Thank you for watching tonight. 
I'm praying for my sister LT, and I'm praying for all of you to make sure that you make good decisions. Bring people into your life that bless you, who are appropriate to the stage that you're in and not the one you used to be. All right, have a wonderful rest of the evening. I will see you soon. Y'all be good to each other. I love you. How about that?